Thank you for joining me, my wonderful family. I am so enjoying being with you every day. And today I want to talk about how to be delivered from fear. Because that's a problem. And we need to see what the Bible has to say about deliverance from fear once and for all. Thank you for being my wonderful partner. I really mean this. Thank you for being my wonderful friend. Thank you for your support, your prayer, your wonderful comments. Lord, we come today in your precious, wonderful, matchless name, Jesus. And Lord, I pray you'll bless your people today with your word. And Lord, bring them and all of us into freedom from fear, freedom from oppression, freedom from this trap of fear in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. You know, there are 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day. Because God wants you free and wants all of us free. And the best of us sometimes have problems with this, where things come our way and we become so fearful and we worry so much. So let's look at a man named Job. I'm sure you've heard of him. And he was a wonderful man. In Job 1.1 it said, he was perfect before God. He shunned evil. Think about a righteous man. But one day, sadly, a problem happened with him. And the Bible says in verse 25 of chapter 3, something, you know, I mean, that is normal to happen to all of us. He said, for the thing that which I greatly feared is come upon me. So here he had a problem with fear at that time. Not all the time in his life, not all the time in our life, but every so often it happens. And he, and he said, and that which I was afraid of is come upon me. Well, all right, let's look at a few things that happened with him. He became fearful. He allowed fear to enter into his life. And he said, you know, in verse 26, I was in safety. Now I lost everything. I no more rest, no more quietness, now trouble. Okay, that's just life. But the Bible says something very, very important that I think uh, we, we, we have to look at in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Because I think there's reasons why fear comes. So Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8, I think gives us a, a beginning at least to understand it. It says, he that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoever breaks the hedge, whoever breaks the hedge, a serpent will bite him. So it's, it's about the hedge being broken. It's about protection being gone. It's about things where suddenly we allow things to happen we never allowed to happen before. So think about nine months of trouble. That's how long Job had that challenge. Nine months, a long time. And so uh, I like what... Uh, a man named Stephen Hill said, he said, God does not submit his faithful followers to the attacks of Satan just to prove a point to the devil. Isn't that powerful? 
God does not submit his faithful followers like Job and like you and I to the attacks of the enemy, Satan, just to prove a point to the enemy. Because the, the enemy is a liar. He's an outlaw. So God is not trying to prove a point here. I just think these things happen to all of us because God never pulls the hedges down from around us. But we are the ones who, who uh, you know, allow it. And I think let's just see how we can build that, that hedge back up so it won't happen again. All right. <clears throat> God's presence, I think, is the first thing we need to remain with us at all times. So when the presence of God lifts, that's when the troubles begin. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, in Ephesians chapter 6, so we, we have to stay in the presence of the Lord, frankly, for fear not to come back, for fear not to enter. And look, everybody's got problems with this. Even Elijah had problems with that. Remember when he ran away from Jezebel? I mean, he called fire from you know, heaven, destroyed the prophets of Baal, and one woman said, I'm going to kill you. And he ran away. And he was so discouraged. We all have that. Ephesians 6, 16 says, above all, above all. That's why it's so important. Like, big headline. Taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, including fear. Now, when we allow fear, here's the problem. Here's what begins to happen to people. And this is why we, we, we just can't allow it to happen. Okay? Proverbs 1.27 says, When fear comes, with it comes what? Desolation. You know what desolation means. That word in Hebrew means a storm. <laughs> Think about a storm coming when, when we allow fear. When your fear cometh as desolation. Wow. So desolation is the result of fear. Um, Proverbs 29, and that's why we, we, we should not allow fear to really come into, into our lives. We must be strong in the Lord. It says the fear of man, this is verse 25, Proverbs 29. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord will be safe. And sometimes we just, sadly, you know, we, things we allow or we neglect to, to do the right thing. But the best of us have that problem. So it's not something that just some of us have. We all have that problem. You know, I do. And, and I have to remind myself of don't let it happen. Don't bring it, don't let, you know, don't op open the door to fear. And, and you know, when you, and I just, you know, I, I love reading my Bible one, one time through every four months, which to me is, really has changed my life. So I read my Bible three times every year. And, at, and I was just reading Job not, not long ago, and I thought how merciful the Lord is to him. And then you notice the things that he said about his problem. And a lot of us, when fear comes, we say things we shouldn't say. So, number one, look what, what he said in, 
in Job 7, 11, he said, therefore I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. Wow. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. People who live in fear have anguish, anguish in their spirit and bitterness in their soul. It brings all these things back, you know. Maybe you're going through it now, but I'm gonna show you how to be free from it. How to be free and stay free. And I gotta tell myself that too, by the way, so, okay. And Job 9:16 says, when fear grips people, they can't pray right anymore. Like their, their prayer life becomes really a problem. Job had the same thing. In Job 9:16 said, he said, if I had called, he had answered me, yet would I not believe that he had hearkened unto my voice. In other words, he could no longer believe God could even hear him. When he prayed, can you believe fear? You know, bringing such bondage that people don't even believe God will answer their prayer anymore? Or, or in Job 7, 21, I could have read that for you earlier, but you know, and, and that's the sad part here. This is the sad part where when fear comes in, people don't even believe that their, their sins are forgiven anymore. You know, isn't that amazing, Chad? They don't even believe that their, their sins are being forgiven. They begin to feel guilty, and that's what happened to Job. Job 7, 21. And why dost thou not pardon my transgression? He's saying to God, he said, why don't you forgive my sin? Why don't you take away my iniquities? Wow, how sad. And then, you know, if we don't deal with it, if we don't deal with it, we, we, we actually begin believing that, that God's no, no more, you know, he, he you know, doesn't love us anymore. In fact, Job believed God even hated him. Can you believe that? Because of fear. He teareth me, this is Job 16, verse 9. He teareth me in his wrath who hateth me. Imagine saying that God hates you. But these are the results of fear, you know, frankly. So when fear comes in, anguish comes in, bitterness comes in, we think God won't answer our prayer, he won't forgive our sins, and he doesn't love us no more, because fear lets all that happen. And maybe I'm talking to somebody that is going through that. There's nothing sadder than finding Christians who have lost all hope of praying. Think about that. Uh, all hope of ever hearing the voice of God and God hearing their prayer, and no more you know, answers to prayer and they stop praying altogether. You know, no, not one of us can resist the devil from, the, from that position of fear. I'm going to say it again. You cannot resist Satan if there's fear in your life. It's impossible. So, David said, and this is what it, it all gets really, really good now. I sought the Lord and he heard me. Wow. And delivered me from all my fears. So we have to start calling on God, basically. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. And verse, uh, Psalm 18, verse 19 says, this is the Psalms, Psalm 18, 19 says, he delivered me because he delighted, he delights in me. So we have to start believing 
that God and only God can deliver us from fear. Fear is not something we can deliver ourselves from. I don't think it's something we can do and convince ourselves. I think we just cry unto the Lord and say, Lord, set me free from this thing because you know, things have happened in my life, whether I allowed them or not, whether I knew I was allowing it or not, but here it is again, I'm fearing, I'm worrying. Lord, I call upon you for deliverance from fear. And it says God will do it. And I think we need to start saying the right things. When fear comes in, we have to start saying the right things. Like example, you know, uh, David began saying the right things, like in Psalm 34, 4, in Psalm 18, 19, or in Psalm 107, verse 6. Then they cried unto the Lord, and he delivered them from their distresses. So he repeats again and again how important it is to call on the Lord at such times. And then God said in Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, I will deliver you. So I'm talking to someone now who's going through some trouble. You're afraid of what could happen. You're worried. But the Bible says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. You will glorify me. Psalm 50, verse 15. He's God, our God is a present help in time of trouble. So it's, it's, and I think, you know, God led me today just to talk to you. So you will, you will cry out to him and then you'll be free from that fear that has gripped your heart. So David expressed deliverance, faith, you know, God will deliver me from all my fears. Job sadly kept saying the wrong thing. And I think this is the problem, is that we have to change our language. You know, we have to call upon the Lord. Lord, I'm calling on you. I've called upon the Lord. He set me from all fear because he, del- he delights in me. They cried to the Lord, he de- and he set him free from all the oppression and so on and so on. But Job, when, when you read Job, God had to come and rebuke him for the things he said. And that's the problem. We say the wrong thing. We start believing the wrong thing when fear comes. And so, you know, and look, because it happened to Job, we get, you know, comfort. Here is a perfect man who was righteous, who, who shunned evil, who didn't want to even look at evil. Yet fear was a problem in his life at one point. And in, in chapter 16 and, and verse 11, he says this, and, you know, He says, God has delivered me to the ungodly. He turned me over to the hands of the wicked. Imagine a man being so low to say, God gave me up. He delivered me over to the wicked. God is no longer interested in helping me. While David said, no, I'm trusting the Lord. He will set me free from my fear. I called upon the Lord. Job is saying, no, God just gave me up because he was saying the wrong thing. So, now it is time we, we begin to rebuke the enemy. You know, David rebuked the enemy. You know, David you know, didn't just pray and say the right things, but David had to also rebuke the enemy because in, in Psalm 6, verse 8, he says this. He said, watch this, depart from me, 
all you workers of iniquity. Depart from me, all you, you know, devilish whatever. You devils, you demons, get, get away from me. And the wrong people. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. He began to rebuke the enemy, rebuke demons, rebuke Satan. And say, get, get away from me. We, I, I rebuke you. Because he believed in the Lord. Hallelujah. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Hallelujah. The Lord liveth and blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. That is the thing to say. 1 John 5, 18. It says, he that is begotten of God. Let's go, let's go to Kant. Let's just go there. This is, this is for every, every one of you. Somebody really needs this today. So the Bible says, if you are begotten of God, we know whosoever is born of God. I'm reading 1 John 5, 18. It says, sinneth not. He that is begotten of God keeps himself and that wicked one cannot touch him. So you and I, we have this confidence. We have a God-given faith. And because of our God-given faith, we keep ourselves from going to the wrong territory. And that wicked one will not touch us if we know the promises of God and call upon the Lord. Now, Job began to change for the better. Finally, he realized this is not working. I'm saying the wrong thing. I'm thinking the wrong thing. I'm afraid. But then he began looking for a mediator. See, sometimes we just don't know how to pray right. And sometimes all we can do is cry to Jesus. You know, Martin Luther, the great reformer, the German priest back in the 1400s had a problem with fear. That's quite something. The man who changed the world was afraid of God. And he believed God was a mean God. And finally, the man who was over him said, look to Jesus, cry out to Jesus. You, you will know God loves you if you see Jesus. Because he saw God like a very, you know, uh, difficult person to deal with who will destroy him for anything he does. That man changed the world, Martin Luther. The great reformation came because of him. He had to deal with his fear. Imagine that. Imagine if he did not deal with his fear. We would not be where we are today. But God blessed the whole world because of this man who just said, no more, I'm not going to be afraid no more. And so, finally, Job cries out to the Lord and just does what Martin Luther did. So in Job 16 and verse 21, for the first time that cry comes out of him, oh, that one might plead for a man with God. I'm looking for someone to help me. And he was talking about the Lord. And then he, he, he looked for a mediator. He knew this, that there's only one way out for him. Jesus is the way out, saints. Jesus is the way out. Our relationship with him is the only way out that I know. I give you praise, Lord. So he was, he was 
complaining. He, he didn't know how to get out. And finally, he just called upon the Lord. And he said, I'm looking for someone that would just get me out of this. Thank you, Jesus. And what does he do? He looks for his Redeemer. He looks for his Redeemer. When you find the Redeemer, when you look to Jesus, he, he was looking for a, a, someone to help him, and finally he declared, I know where to look now. Because my Redeemer lives. One of the greatest portions of the book of Job is this portion. For I know that my Redeemer liveth that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, my eyes will behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Wow. He looked for the Lord. He knew there's only one way out, one answer to all his troubles, and that is when he finds his Redeemer. So what does he do? He says, it's Jesus. But there's one more answer. And the other answer is given by a young man who was sitting there listening to all their conversations. A man named Elihu. And, you know, very few people, I think, know about this remarkable young man who kind of got upset with these three men, the friends of Job, and he just had to say something. And uh, so it says in Job 32, two, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barahel, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram. He was, he was so upset because, it says, because, he, because Job justified himself rather than God. So he begins to correct Job and said, Look, you can't talk like this. You can't say these, these things. And then... We, we come, I believe, to the second glorious secret of deliverance from fear. Number one, look to Jesus. And number two, look to his blood. There is such power in the blood of Jesus against fear. Because Elihu says something else. It says, then this is Job 33, 24. Then he is gracious unto him and said, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Two things today we need daily to be free from fear. Call upon the Lord and apply the blood. Because when we don't apply the blood of Jesus daily, a door can open up. There is amazing power, saints. This is almost a forgotten truth in many churches. There's an amazing power to applying the blood of Jesus daily, daily. And if you look at Job chapter, chapter one, let's go back to Job chapter one. He applied the blood daily and then he stopped. And I think this is when his problems began. Because it says in Job 1.5, it says, It was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. And the word of God tells us something powerful. 
how when the devil came before God and God said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, didn't you build a hedge around him? Verse 10, has, has not thou made a hedge about him, about his house, and about all that he have on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands. His substance is increasing in the land. Satan recognized that the hedge was built by the blood because in verse 5, what did he do? He was applying blood. Every day he would offer a sacrifice for his children in case they curse God. And now the hedge was broken because of fear. I showed you earlier from Ecclesiastes, from the book of Ecclesiastes. So what happened? The hedge was broken. When was it broken? Later when he said, what I feared came on me. He just let fear in. And all the troubles came and his confession changed for, for the worst till finally said, Jesus help me. I'm looking for a redeemer, a mediator. I know my redeemer lives, wow. And then Elihu says, you need the blood. He found the ransom. I've seen the blood work in my life over and over and over. If you're afraid for your, for your children, apply the blood. Begin to do it again on them. Lay hands on their pillows, on their sheets, on their beds, and apply the blood over their bedrooms. We have the right, even Satan recognizes the power of the blood because he says to God, did you not build a hedge about him? Which means we can apply the blood on our own person. And about his house, that's your family. About all that he has, that's your possessions. The work of his hands, that's your job. And then your substance is increased, that's your influence. So the blood can be applied on ourselves, on our families, on our possessions, on our work, and our influence, like ministry. I think it's time we call on the Lord and apply the blood all over again, and God will set you free from all that. I'm facing a problem, like all of you face problems, and the Lord spoke to me this this morning. He said, I want you to spend more time with me. And I said, yes, Lord, I will. I want you to spend more time at night because I spent about an hour and a half every, every day in the afternoon. Now the Lord wants me to spend extra time at night. And I said, yes, Lord. Because there are times we need to pray more, you know. And then I, I, I know by the Spirit, I need to apply the blood more often. Because sometimes with the business of life, we just don't do it every day. And I think when we face a problem, when fear is such a problem for us and it comes back because of conditions, situations, family, business, whatever it is, people, now we have to apply the blood more. You find our answer, thank the Lord. And I think today God has already spoken to a lot of you about this. So Father, in Jesus' name, let's just believe. Father, in Jesus' name, no more fear. Lord, I pray for everyone. Lord, I agree with everyone who's going through a season now of fear and worry. Set them free, Lord, as they call upon you and apply your blood. Do such simple, beautiful things to do. Call upon you and apply your blood not only on themselves, 
with their family, sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, mommies and daddies. And apply the blood on their possessions, apply the blood on their businesses and their influence and ministries. Lord, let it happen in Jesus' name that no more fear. Fear will be broken in Jesus' glorious name. We give you the praise. Let this be the beginning of a fearless, faith-filled life with boldness like lions, bold like lions against the enemy in Jesus' holy name. God's people said, Amen. I pray this has helped you today. Okay, it's time to give to the Lord's work because giving guarantees the future financially. Giving is the law of God. Giving is not about, well, let's do it just because it's a good thing to do. It's the law of God. When people do not give, they sin against the Lord because Jesus said give. Giving is all over the Old Testament, you know. God commanded them. He said, no man will appear before me empty. So we have to give because it's an act of love and worship, first of all, and obedience. And then God will bless us, protect us, give us the harvest over and over and over again because we honor him. When you honor the Lord with your money, as it says in the Bible, we need to, he'll, he'll always take care of you. You'll never have to worry. You'll, you'll go to bed really in peace knowing God will take care of you and your children too. Lord, bless them as they give, as they sow in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, amen. Okay, you can give on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to benihim.org or you can text BHM45777. Much love, shalom.